Well, good to see you folks. I'll tell you what we're going to do, because we've had a lot of extra things in our service here this morning. I think you need to stand up for a second, don't you? Hey, stand up. I'm going to just let you roam for about a half a minute. Would you say hi to people around you? Wake them up if you need to. Okay, here we go. Let's get to work. Hey, grab your copy of the scriptures and turn to Judges, if you would, the book of Judges, chapter 16. So Judges is the seventh book of the Bible. If you start at the very beginning, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, it kind of gives you a little clue where you'll find it if you have a paper copy of the scriptures, or you can grab your iPhone or your iPad or whatever may be the case and look it up, Judges chapter 16. And as you're turning there, just a little point of celebration, good news for you folks over here in the balcony in this part, 100% of our roof fund has been brought in. So isn't that a great thing? Remember, we were like 99%, so we were just going to leave a little opening over here that was uncared for, but uh, no need for umbrellas. Folks, you all will be taken care of. Starting, I think, right near June, the end of this month, we're going to start tearing shingles off and on with a new roof, so we're really excited about that, thankful for everyone who, who gave. Um, now, here we are, Judges chapter 16, we are looking at another comeback story. This is a, this one's different. It's Samson. And really, it's an account of unfulfilled potential. <clears throat> and for many, the, the story of Samson may be a little bit unfamiliar. His mom and dad were actually met by an angel before his birth, and they were told that this would be a special child. Mom had to make some promises with God that, that certain things would happen, and then God said, if you meet these promises, I am going to give this man supernatural capability. He is going to lead in a tremendous way. And so there were, there were a few promises that, that she made, and, and number one is that he would stay away from unclean meat. Dead carcasses were, was one of those. Stay away from all of that. Another one, he would stay away from fermented drink. And then the third one is probably the more popular promise of Samson, the one that we would identify with, and maybe you remember, he would never, ever have his hair cut off. So those are the three promises that were made, and God 
certainly kept his end of his promise to them. God gave him unmatched strength and ability that this guy, let me tell you, he took on people and he never lost. He would, he would do some serious tail whipping. I'm telling you, he took on hundreds of men, even thousand, a thousand people. And in fact, if you're in Judges chapter 16, if you just look back a chapter, chapter 15, starting in verse 15, look at this one. Here there were 3,000 people approaching him, Philistines, and they were going to take him on. And it says, verse 15, finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down 1,000 men. Think about that. And then he comes up with this really cool poem. With a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. I mean, this guy could do it. His theme song would have been MC Hammer's Can't Touch This. Everyone below 25 is like, who's MC Hammer? Everyone above 25 is like, Pastor, great, now I got that stupid song in my head. (laughs) No one could take this guy down. No army of men could defeat him. But I'm going to tell you one person who could take him down. You ready? There's one person that could take him down. Guess who it was? It was himself. I'm going to tell you something about Samson. It's not only true about Samson, I guarantee you, if we take a look inside, it's true of all of us, including the guy you're looking at right now. Just like us, his weakness, it was his weakness, not the strength of others that caused his fall. He took himself down in a hurry. There was a quote by C.H. Spurgeon that said, beware of no man more than of yourself. We carry our worst enemies within us, he said. How true that is. So here we are, um, Judges 16, starting in verse 4. And, and so if you want, go ahead and grab uh, the back of your East Bay Weekly, and you're going to see our little study guide that we're going to work through here this morning. Judges 16, 4 through 31. This may be new territory for some of us, but look at what happens here A new person comes on the scene. Samson had all this strength, all this ability, and he was supposed to help the Israelites take back their country from the Philistines. Now meet Delilah. Verse 4. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the ruler of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. And each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So here's Delilah. The Philistine rulers bribed her 1,100 shekels of silver each. Now I know some of you are wondering, how much money are we talking here? 
So there were about five rulers over Philistine, over the Philistines, that Judges 3 tell us about. So if you take five times 1,100, see how your math is doing today, you have how many? Okay, wow. Our people couldn't make circles? You can't do math. Okay, it's 5,500 shekels of silver. Now, shekel is a unit of weight measurement that we're dealing with. It's understood that based upon our current price of silver, which really isn't very high right now, Delilah would have a payout of about $50,000. The Philistines wanted this guy down. Bad. And so they said, you lure him in, we give you $50,000. And so here's how the temptation goes. So Delilah says to Samson, now let me tell you, it, there was a whole lot more to this temptation that was going on. Tell me the secret of your great strength, verse 6, and how you can be tied up and subdued. And they started going back and forth. So verse 7, he kind of is playing along with it. And he says, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. So he falls asleep. She ends up doing that. And then she says, Samson, the Philistines are coming upon you. Boom! Those seven bowstrings just pop like nothing. And he takes over the Philistines and they, and they run away. And then notice what she says in verse 10. You've made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. And he said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Snap, he pops these ropes off his arms like they were threads. Then Delilah says to Samson, verse 13, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. And then he says another one, but notice he's getting a little closer. If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with a pin. And then again she called to him, just as she did before, and again the same result. Bam! Up with the loom, off with the pin. He rises in strength. Then verse 15. How can you say, I love you? When you won't confide in me, this is the third time you've made a fool of me, haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. And then verse 17, he finally says, no razor has ever been used on my head. Because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He told me everything, and the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. 
after putting him to sleep on her lap. She called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and noticed his thought, hey, I'm going to go out just like before, shake myself free. But he didn't know that the Lord had left him. And here's what happened. It's nasty. It is grotesque. The Philistines grabbed him. They yanked his eyeballs out. They subdued him. They got bronze shackles. They put him on his wrist. They held him down. He went off into slavery, and he tread out grain on the grain mill. For being a judge, that's what he was. He was a judge of Israel. His judgment certainly was impaired. Most of his decisions throughout his life were made when he was under the influence of selfishness, anger, and sexual desire. Those were the three biggies. All issues stemming from within. No one could touch this man from the outside, but he eventually came crumbling down And it all started on here. And I just wonder, if Samson were to come back, if he were to talk to us, what would he tell us right now? What would Samson say to you and I, you know what, here's my big lessons learned, and this is something you've got to know, and I've condensed it into three statements, and I think they're going to help us today, and then we're going to work through the comeback. So let's talk about this. What would Samson teach us now? And here's number one. Number one, instead of working on others, I needed God's power to first work in me or on me. You know, God gave him power. He took on a lion. He took on 30 men. He took on a 1,000 men. He took on thousands of Philistines. This guy could not be held back in any way. And God's power worked through him on others. However, he was in a spot where he needed God's power to work on him personally. He overlooked his problems. He overlooked his weaknesses. And the power of God that he used to subdue everyone else, he really needed that power to subdue himself. That's what was going on. And I really believe in his physical blindness with no more eyeballs, the vision of his issues was probably the clearest when he could finally see, wow, I blew it. I needed God to work on me, to control me, rather than help me control everyone else. Here's what one quote said. Samson became enslaved by his cravings. He strangled a lion but couldn't strangle his lust. He burst ropes but was bound by his appetites. He burned the enemy's crops, yet was inflamed with a desire for their women. He was strong, but not really in control. And finish it up, the champion was captivated by the enemy, but conquered by himself. 
I believe if Samson were here right now, he would say, instead of working on others, I needed God's power to first work on me. Samson's focus and ours as well needs to be, instead of controlling others, I need to control myself. God, before using me to straighten everyone else out, straighten me out first. Instead of working on other people, first work in me. That's the first thing you'd say. Here's the second thing. Instead of waiting it out. Now, folks, this is probably the most significant lesson he would teach us that I would say in my life would be true. Listen to this. Instead of waiting it out, I needed to get out of my sinful situation. Do you know what Delilah's name means? Delilah's name is made up of two root words, meaning low-hanging, like low-hanging fruit. Here's the deal. Her name means easy. And it's no surprise what was going on in their relationship because about three or four verses up from him meeting Delilah, he met with a prostitute. So guess what was holding him to Delilah? Was their whole sexual relationship. Samson was pulled into her, and in fact, her job was to lure him into revealing the secret of his strength. And guess how she was luring him, folks? And did you ever wonder, like, Samson, what were you thinking? You are in enemy territory with a Philistine woman... And she's asking you, tell me the secret of your strength. You ever, like, what are you thinking? It's like, you ever watch those horror movies? And they're just about to go into the room, and you're like, don't go in that room. You know it, don't go in there. Something's bad's going to happen, you know, and then they go in there, whoa, you know, and you're like, "I, I knew it. And here we are reading the text, it's like Samson, honestly. You're in their land, their woman, she's asking you to secret of your strength, and then every time she does, the Philistines just magically happen to appear. Get a clue! And sometimes we think this guy was just, he didn't know, he was like the big strong men. You know, like you see on the Planet Fitness commercials, you know, I pick things up and I put them down, you know. Well, he didn't know he's talking. He just, he didn't, like, oh, Delilah, you no love me. You know, like, what are you thinking? But he's not stupid. This guy thought up riddles that stumped everyone. This guy was brilliant. So he th- what are you doing waiting around? Remember this one property I was at in New York. We'd go out fishing. We had a blast fishing on that. Remember this one time I threw my lure out there and I caught one. I pulled it in. I'm like, oh, that's a decent-sized bass. Look at that thing. I noticed it had a hole in its lip on the one side. I'm like, that's interesting. And I unhooked it and threw it back in. 
a few more casts. Ooh, I got another one. I pull it in. I'm like, oh, that's a nice, oh, that's the same fish. <laughs> Unhooked it and threw it back in four times, people. Like, what kind of stupid fish? But I had something that was attractive for it. I had something that would lure it in. Samson was not a big muscular blockhead. We know Samson wanted something. Delilah gave it to him in abundance. That's what kept the man around. And here's the big thing, folks. I believe Samson felt he could handle it. I can handle it. He could strip the worm off the hook and not get caught. And he had done it. Hey, let me tell you, seven bowstrings, no problem. New rope, no problem. See, I haven't been caught. I can handle my temptation. I can handle my situation, and I've not been burned. I'm a big, strong person. I can manage. And he got out of the jam every time. And so why not this one too? I can keep enjoying the bait and manage my temptation. And like Samson, we often assume that if Satan can't take us out on the first try we might be able to beat him at his own game. Here's the deal. Samson found out that our adversary will wait us out for months. He will wait us out for years. He will wait us out for decades if necessary. And for Samson, his adversary, the devil, waited him out for 20 years years until finally in his managing of his situation he found out boy I should have instead of gotten out of my situation so we need to hear the truth of Samson's story is that we need to get out of the bad place now don't think I've got it under control. I think I can outsmart the adversary at his game. Not going to happen. I'm just going to be blunt. Get out of the addiction now. Don't try to manage it. Get off the porn site now. Don't try to manage it. Get out of the wrong relationship now. Don't try to manage it. Get out of the financial mess, dump the dependency, harness the language, stop the marital dysfunction. We need 
to find out the reality of our adversary. And Samson tells us, instead of waiting it out, instead of managing the problem, we need to do something about it. Our adversary is patient. He deceives us into believing we can manage our temptation, our situation. I'm going to give you one of the best verses that I've learned in Scripture. This one is one to hang on to. It's 2 Timothy 2.22. And it's right up on the screen. Here's what it says. Flee the evil desires of youth. Notice it doesn't say manage the evil desires of youth. Work around it. It says, run away from it. Flee the evil desires of youth and instead pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And here's the cool thing. Pursue it along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In other words, don't run it alone. But run with other people that are going in the same direction. God's word never says to manage your sin. God's word says to get out of it. And I believe if Samson were standing right here, right now, he would say, time to do the same thing. Instead of waiting it out, I needed to get out. Here's a third thing he'd say. I didn't consider the destination of my path. I know he would say that. I didn't consider the destination of my path. All the things that he started craving that took him down in his adult life, guess when he started those things? In his young life. We need to look at our behaviors, our actions as paths that have destination points. And the Bible says it this way in Galatians 6, 7. What an awesome picture. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. I don't think we'll, we'll sow a seed of this wrong and it's going to end up good. Every path has a destination. Every seed has a fruit. And Samson didn't consider, I'm on a path. He just looked at them as manageable events. One person has wisely said, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And boy, our time is flying. So here's what happened. In Judges chapter 16, um, pop up on the screen. Here's verses 23 through 25. Here's what happened. <laughs> the Philistines did this. They overtook him. They took his eyes. They made him a servant. Not only did they do that, they laughed and they mocked. And so here he is on display in their temple with all the rulers of the Philistines, and they had a worship service to their god, Dagon, who they believed gave Samson to them. And so here was the deal. The, the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate saying, our god has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Oh, God has, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands. The one who laid waste our land multiplied our slain. 
While they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson's to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. He became the laughing stock. He had so much potential. He had so much going for him. He could have brought the, the, the people of Israel out of Philistines' rule and the Spirit of God was on his life to the point where no one could touch him from the outside. But now the path has met its destination and he truly was a failure. And if there's one thing I've never heard for Samson, I've never heard anyone say, oh, poor Samson. I've never heard anyone call him a victim. You know what we say? He's the guy that we sit back and say, yep, that's what you get. Play with fire, you're going to get burned. You made your bed, now sleep in it. And you know the last thing he deserved? The last thing he deserved was a comeback. That's the last thing he deserved. And here's where it happened. Verses 27 through 30. So he came out to entertain everybody. They're all laughing at them, at him. And the temple was crowded with men, women, the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. And Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one, left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. Down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. And thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. I need to give this to you. And with this we finish up. Samson's comeback, it's a little different kind of a comeback than what we've seen so far. You know how long Samson's comeback lasted? Eh, maybe about 30 seconds or a minute. It's a short-lived comeback. But here's the main theme I want us to understand. Samson didn't deserve anything of a comeback. He deserved to stay in prison based upon his life. He deserved, that would be his demise. He would serve and entertain the Philistines for all the rest of his days. And here's what we find out about God. God's grace gives comebacks when we don't deserve them. That's what we understand. Here's what it is. Let me say it again. God's grace gives comebacks when we don't deserve them. Samson didn't deserve it. And here in the very end, God still shows up. And we see a few quick things from his comeback. Number one, here's the very first and only recorded prayer of Samson. And I think he finally sees, you know what, I think I know where I went wrong. And his prayer starts out really well. Sovereign Lord, he finally realizes, I'm not the one in control. God is sovereign Lord. 
remember me, sounds like the thief on the cross. And he's not asking God, jog your memory. He says, you remember what it was like? Remember when we were close? Remember when we were working together? Remember me? And he asked, strengthen me once more. Let's do this thing again together one more time. And he didn't deserve it. But in Samson's comeback, here's his first and only recorded prayer. It looks like a move toward repentance. And what went wrong? Here's number two. God gave him grace over all of his past. Over all the selfish, sinful, extreme anger, revenge, the prostitute, the wild relationship with Delilah, the forgetting God, God forgave all of his past. He didn't deserve that. But God gave him forgiveness. And this strength came back one more time. And he pushed those pillars with all of his might and down they came and all of those people perished along with himself. But God did strengthen him one more time. God gave him grace over his past and then even over his present. Did you catch this? It's the one thing about this passage that just kind of set with me a little odd. The end of verse 28. I like his prayer. Please God strengthen me just once more. Okay, I'm with you. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines. Okay. I would have rather ended for the advancement of Israel or to show you our God, not Dagon. But instead, Samson says, and let me get revenge for my two eyes. It's kind of like, Samson, did you learn your lesson? It's not about you. Like, if I were God, I would say, okay, you still don't have it all worked out. Back to prison until you do. And even though it wasn't all straight, even though he didn't have it all figured out, here's God. He was still a God of grace to Samson. And he gave him a comeback. Even though he didn't have it all put together, he still had some things to learn and God still showed him grace and gave him a comeback. He gave him dignity that he did not deserve. He gave him a warrior's ending that he did not deserve. And he gave him a fulfillment of his purpose for God and Israel that he did not deserve. And here's the big story about Samson. It was not Samson. It was God. God's grace gives comebacks when we don't deserve them. That's the big story. And you know what? That's our story too. That's your story and that's my story. God gives us grace when we don't deserve it. That's what we just remembered back at communion, you know? We didn't deserve him to come and die for us. We didn't deserve eternal life that he offers us freely through the forgiveness of sin. We don't deserve a relationship with him. And yet God, despite our past, gives us grace. 
something we don't deserve. And even though, like Samson, we don't have it all figured out, and we still maybe put it together wrong and have self-focus, God still gives us grace. He gives us grace as our forgiver and leader. He gives us grace to let us come back if we've been wandering away. And I just want to tell us here today as we close, you may not have it all figured out. You may not even start it out right. But here's a lesson. But start. Start. God's grace gives comebacks even when we don't deserve it. And there's no one in this room that he won't extend his grace to if we but turn around and come back to him. Let's learn the lesson of Samson. We're all weak without God. And he gives us grace when we come back. And Father, there's a lot in here. Sometimes when we look at Samson, I feel that we look partly in a mirror. And I pray, Father, that you would use his life and his lesson to touch ours. And Lord, if there's some people here, wherever they are, in whatever scenario, they're managing their sin and temptation, their wrong situation, they think it's not going to come back to bite them. Or if they look at their past with all of its challenge, I pray, God, that you would help us to start the comeback. even if we don't have it all figured out, to come back. To know it starts with you. God, remember us. Strengthen us once more. Bring us back to you. Use us again. We not only enjoy your grace, we're lost without it. Thank you that in our weakness you are strong. And we love you. We love you for it. You're a good God. You're a faithful God even when we are not. Would you stand with me, friends? Serve us with this song that is so familiar to us as a church. Great is thy faithfulness.
Samson, that is the grace that, that has been shown to us, that in our unfaithfulness, God has been faithful. And so we want to sing that out, thanking God. God, you are good. Pardon for sin and a peace that
That grace of God, we don't deserve it. Like we deserve the opposite. He's so good to us. He's so good. You got questions? You're wondering about your comeback and where it can begin? That's why we exist, friends. That's why the people around you exist, too. Connect with us. Connect with anyone in the church office. Any of the people you've seen come down the aisle with stuff. If you came with a friend or if you see someone near you, let's connect to this great, gracious God that we have. And now we get to connect with each other. We got a little cake in the back. And what we're going to do is let Pastor Jonathan and Precious scooch out there. That way we can uh, greet them. Make sure you say hi to them on the way out. Please, if you have kids in children's ministry, please go get them first. And then bring them up for cake so they can get their sugar high. And then you can take them home. And make sure on the way out also that we take the opportunity to give to our Helping Hand Fund, which helps people of our church and community that have some special needs. God bless you this week. Take care.